0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, Christina Greer. She is an Associate Professor of Political Science and American Studies at Fordham University. Professor Greer's book, Black Ethnics, Race, Immigration, and the Pursuit of the American Dream, was the recipient of the W.B. Du Bois Book Award. Christina is a frequent political commentator on MSNBC, WNYC, and New York One. She's the co host of the New York centered podcast, Fact NYC, and co host of the Black centered podcast, What's in it for us? She's the producer and she is the host of The Aftermath and The Contender on Ozzy.com. She's the politics editor at thegrio.com and also writes a weekly column for the Amsterdam News, one of the oldest black newspapers in the United States. Whew, she's busy. Liz Milley. New to the show, she's our new friend. Welcome, Liz. She's appeared on Comedy Central's This Week at the Comedy Cellar, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Hulu's Coming to the Stage. She has several viral videos on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, including jokes, feminist sex positions, Fuck Finland, and London Cops Are Better Than American Cops. She has three albums out on Spotify and iTunes and released her first special in May of 2020. It's called Self Help Me, free on YouTube. Her first book, Why Cats Are Assholes, is available everywhere March 30th. Jackie Fabulous is an American stand-up comedian and actress. She was a semi-finalist in the 14th season of the reality competition show America's Got Talent. She holds a law degree from Trinity Law School and she's been featured on the Arsenio Hall Show, Kevin Hart's LOL Network, Last Common Standing and check out her upcoming book, Find Your Fabulous. I want to thank all of our listeners or friends like us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. subscribe, you can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and our Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or a donation. Just go to our Patreon page. Go to patreon backslash us. We do give a lot of free content out, so it does help us if you support us by going to our Patreon page. And I have to say, I see a couple of you going there and supporting us. Thank you. Merch is available with the new logo. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and face masks available for purchase. Get yours today. Go to marinafranklin.com so you can represent your favorite podcast. And weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn, to give updates on the show. We also offer free stuff like tickets to my next first virtual comedy show. Yeah, we'll be on our fourth soon. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Most important, tell someone you know to check us out and wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Oh, yes, that's right. Black Lives Matter. welcome to friends like us marina franklin here i am here with christina greer jackie fabulous and liz mealay liz mealay for the first time yeah. on the show liz you know just so you know it is a woman of color podcast not i hope i didn't surprise you with that information
1: no i i knew it i knew it I, 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 I'm I'm just here supporting women of color. What do I need to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it is international woman or not international. It's women's month. So it's all it's all good. And we do have we have a white once a month. Oh,
1: I'm I'm your once a month white. I'm so excited. I'm honored.
0: <laughs> yes. So and I've always wanted to have you on. I'm so glad like to have you here because so you guys know, Liz is like has always been one of my like like my little sisters in the comedy, like I, I, from, from the comic strip, right? Comic strip days, which we just, we just lost. Uh,
1: yeah. I saw uh, were, I lost Tinkin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Richie Tinkin, you know, but the comic strip days when Liz would come there, I was always amazed at how strong she was as a comedian. Remember that? I would always go up to you.
1: You always <laughs> were so nice to me and gave me such compliments. And I'm just like. I don't even know what to do. You know, when somebody says something nice to you, but you don't feel that way about yourself. So you're like, what what do they want? What are they trying to get from me?
0: (laughs) Well, I could always feel when you came off that you weren't sure. And I wanted to tell you, no, no, you're good. You're great. Like, great. And then she went viral with like a video, right? Uh, A bit.
1: Yeah, like seven years ago, I had one of my bits go viral. What was the bit? It's called Feminist Sex Positions. (laughs) So. There's a couple million. I would like to say the first half a million was like, you go girl. And then the other 1.5 or so million is women aren't funny, die in a fire. I hope all women die. So it's like, I always say like a little bit of ha- hate really helps things go viral. And so, so other bits of mine that have done really well is usually people not liking me. And I've really embraced that. Mm hmm
0: so i'm just yeah you (laughs) it's 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 like uh being black on youtube or being black on anything TikTok you always get there's i'm i'm like desensitized to it now i used to get really upset when i would see the one comment but now i'm like oh that's part of this
1: well it really actually it is probably one of the best things to happen to me as somebody in show business because when people are saying nice things to you, they're in your bubble. They're your friends, they're your fans, they're, you know what I mean? They're people that already know you and like you. But when you start getting hate comments, you know that it's starting to go viral and it's going outside your bubble. And it's really how I know something has gotten on the explore page or how it started getting recommended or people started sharing it. So when I start to see hate comments, I think, oh, more people are going to see it. Now you're going to get even more hate, but then you also get love from people you would have never reached before. So weirdly enough, I start getting, when I see a video of myself start getting hate comments i get a little excited because i'm like oh i like this bit i'm excited that people are gonna see it
0: <laughs> that is how tiktok operates actually
1: yeah. when they
0: when they see like one portion of the uh like i have uh, one bit on tiktok about being in ireland and not seeing any black people i just saw one black guy and he was like why are you here <laughs> okay it's just a funny joke they got so mad I mean, these Irish people are like, there's loads of them, which is not, (laughs) that's not the way to, that's that's not actually a compliment to call us loads. There's loads. (laughs) There's loads here. She's ignorant. (laughs) She's an idiot. And they went in. They got so, so there's a huge argument. It's got 70,000 views. Yeah. All because of this, you know, disagreeing. And someone even called me a racist. I was like, oh.
1: Oh, I have a joke called Fuck Finland it's a seven minute story about trying to get into finland and it taking uh, almost three flights um but like it's like you know what i mean i just thought it was funny because everybody says "fuck america and here's my like finland being an asshole story but it's it's like 50 50 it's people from finland it just all everybody in finland saw it it's 50 percent people from finland getting it and the other half trashing america trashing me calling me a moron and i'm like I already call myself a moron in most of my, you can't hurt me. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like one of those things where you're just like, how do you not get how funny fuck Finland? Nobody's ever said that. That's the title alone is hilarious. You're just like, come on guys. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
0: extra sensitive time. I think they wanted to cancel bill Burr from last night on the Grammys. I saw something trending. I was on Twitter and I was like, why is bill Burr trending? And they 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 want to cancel him. They're they're I think they're going to eventually they're gonna find something because Billy can't help himself.
2: I haven't watched a clip yet, but I, when I was uh on YouTube just exploring, I saw Bill Burr and Grammys and I, I didn't click on it. I'm like, oh shit, what did he say? That was my first thought was here we go. I know it's something controversial. I have no idea what he said. He, he said ready basically
0: <laughs> he he it's not even that bad. It's just um I mean Billy has said some things that I would arguably say I don't really like but this one is actually not one of those this is like uh, him just saying oh a bunch of p- feminists are probably angry that I'm a white guy is announcing a Spanish artist or something which is that's pretty accurate yeah
2: yeah but now but now he's too he's too brilliant for it might like a low hanging fruit kind of joke it's like let we get it we get it bill you're white but you know that you're an accepted you're an ally pretty much for the most part most most days kinda
1: we we let him in and take him
2: out when we please yeah but but as a a comic we still are like you're bill burr so that that joke is like come on dude find other things to hang your hat on
0: i love it i love it. you're like just do a better joke bill please yeah it's also it's also it's also (laughs) like he can't help himself he likes he there's the there's always going to be that guy character who likes to rile up the feminists or women and that's what he gets his kicks off of and that's what he's doing And that's why he's been um, doing it for so long. That's why I'm like, okay, enough. For so long. For so long. It's (laughs) his
1: art form. Let him just, like, you know, swim around in it. Like, it's not like he started doing this right now. He's been doing it since the beginning. And I agree. Like, I love Bill Burr, but there's definitely jokes that I've seen, and I'm like, I don't like that. And then I just move on to the next one that I like. Yeah. But he also what's hard i think as female comics is he treats us wonderfully he's never been anything but supportive and i see him be that way to so many great com- if you're a comic that works hard he's supportive of you it doesn't matter who you are so it's really hard to know people personally and how they treat people and then what they joke about and i always yeah. think of adrian apolucci because she's one of the darkest you know says mo- some of the most fucked up things and again i don't agree she's one of my closest friends i don't agree with everything adrian says but she's an angel like truly, like to the point where like she's done stuff where I'm like, oh, I need to be a better person. But you listen to her jokes and you're like, maybe she's a monster.
0: <laughs> I know. But a I very know.
1: creative monster. <laughs> very very
0: creative dark monster, yes. But but Liz and Christina, I want you to I I purposely matched you with Liz today because of her love and our love. Now I don't know, Jackie, I've never talked to you about your love for for the feline. But Liz is. Are we talking. Are we like, talking about cats. Yes, we. <laughs> yes, we are. No, uh,
2: I'm like you need to be clear. What are you talking? About? <laughs> uh, oh, 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 I'm, I'm not sorry. there yet. I'm not there yet. Not yet.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, no, cats, cats. Um, I want a Maine Coon cat so badly, uh, and I can't find one anywhere. But I, and I, I know I should adopt from a, a, a shelter. Which is so hard because they're like, we want to see, you know, like eight letters of recommendation and have you had a cat home in the past six years? It's like, no, I haven't. I haven't had a cat since I was a kid. But like, you're making it really difficult. There are hardly any cats available in Brooklyn. But I'm torn between trying to trying to adopt a cat, which, you know, they're like, if you like this cat, you have to take these other two cats that come with it. I'm like, I don't want I don't want two to three cats. I just want this one cat. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should get the cat that I really want. I want those big ass Maine coon cats that can be like 40 pounds and have faces like grown men <laughs> and they look like wolves and monsters. And I just, that's what I, they're like a mix between like a dog and a cat. Coons. I haven't, I haven't been able to find the, you know, the folks that even have any Maine coons available. And then of course my friends are like, how are you going to get a cat? that's called a main coon. Like, what are you thinking? But I still want one. So I'm not there yet. I don't have a pet.
1: Have you seen those videos where like, they just hold out their Maine Coon cats and they're like ginormous. Yes, they're f- four they look, feet like, I love, I, I have to say, so my parents are veterinarians. They actually retired, but then they both told, and then moved and they both told me they're trying to get their license in another state. Like, it's kind of like you just retired. And they're both trying to get their license. At least my, my mom's going to volunteer to get vaccines. So like, I was like, okay, you are doing something. But, um, but uh, so my mom was a cat specialist, but like she knew how much I loved like big, like fat cats, big fluffy cats. And she would literally be like, like we used to live next door. She would call me over so she could be like, this cat is like 35 pounds. I was like, that's not a cat anymore. That's ginormous. Hold on, Jackie. I'm putting Maine Coon in the chat so you can see it. Oh, they're massive.
0: I was actually going to ask you this, Liz. What does Christina have to do to get a Maine Coon?
1: I mean, when she was talking, I I, I was thinking that, honestly, there's got to be some kind of, like, Facebook group, sadly. Because, mm. like, I... So, Adrian, who I brought up earlier, is obsessed with Griffin dogs. It's, like... It's, like... I think mm-hmm. they're in Australia. They're so cute and weird-looking. And so, she's always sending me pictures. But even she, like, she kind of had to give up on her dreams because they're really hard to get, especially in the U.S. They're expensive, all that stuff. So, I think, you know, purebreds are... Especially for cats is, you know, gets harder and and more rare and blah, blah, blah. But I think you have to go to these specialty groups. And then sometimes depending on, uh, it might be a list. I mean, I would have never never
3: been on Facebook, but I think I might have to get a Facebook account just so I can like find out who the main coon owners are. Yeah, these It
1: sounds really silly. Cause I'm not the biggest Facebook person either, but like these groups actually really help you. And, and like everybody's on the same page or there might even be like a Reddit group. Um, you'll be surprised how many, like, spe- I know I hate Reddit so many specific groups where people kind of come together and they support you and, and they know like the people that have them and stuff. But I, we were never, a, you know, we always, we were always getting cats from like clients and stuff. Like I don't, like we got a chameleon because somebody couldn't take care of it. Like all our all our animals—dogs, cats, lizards—were hand me downs. So I'm one of five kids. I haven't Who had my own. Who wants this hand me down lizard? <laughs> it was it was so funny. Like every animal we had had some kind of problem because we were like, "This is a lot of work. I don't want it." And my parents were like, "Well, we already do too much work. We'll take it."
0: <laughs> well, I appreciated your mom. She helped me when Billy was in his last phase.
1: Yeah. I was really mm. sad.
0: I had I I it's hard for me to even talk about it, but your mom was just so amazing. Because you know, you oftentimes you go to places and it's like <laughs> it's really crazy because the last time I was talking about like being a black woman in the hospital and just wanting someone to believe your pain and treating you like a human being, when you have a pet, it's it's the same thing. You want them to treat your pet like you and i was so nervous that they weren't giving me the right information that i always wanted like a second opinion your mom just oh boy does she ease me with all that that was so stressful taking care of a cat like that giving a basically dialysis
1: yeah oh and billy billy had he he was on like medication every day for like a long time right
0: yeah he was his his uh was it kidneys the when they get the creatine level and all that so I had to give him injections of fluids and yeah I had to give him medication and I got good at it after a while I got really good I mean he would run away from me and you know all that but we got we got to a point we had a rhythm with it that was pretty good so I felt I felt like at least he was comfortable
1: yeah you know but
0: your mom was just the best so
1: yeah, she's good. Like, it's actually kind of funny because my I'm one of five kids, and she was a very angry mother. Um, but she, the way she treats cats and clients, I'm like, yeah, that's the tone I, th- I thought I was supposed to get. Like, you you know how people talk about like office voice and stuff like that. My mom would get like other people voice, and she would take calls for clients at home. And I'm just like, so you can be soothing, you can be <laughs> kind. <laughs> like I was like, I was like, so it is possible, but you're just yelling in this house at us. Um, but you also, you know, five kids and we took her money and didn't give any of it back. But, yeah, no, my mo- my mom's awesome like that. She is saved. It's so funny how many people that she's helped. And she doesn't even really, you know, towards um, the last like 15 years of her career, she like barely did any dogs. But like Adrian took her dog to her. I had so many friends that would be like, I just want your mom to do it. She's like, she's like, I haven't hung out with a dog in a while. She's like, this is fun.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I have PTSD with uh, trying to adopt animals because the shelters they can be quite um uh strict and if yeah, i, go, yeah. and if I mm-hmm. go back to a shelter now and get that same me and my ex when i live in la we tried to adopt a. we gave him a name already his name was george he was a uh, the frankfurter dog what do they call him oh, Hot the, dog? Uh, Dotson. Dotson. yeah Dotson. It, it was a dachshund and he was dancing showing off trying to get us to look at him and we're like we want him and we already called him george And the front desk was like, George is on a waiting and blah, blah, blah. We're like, George is homeless. (laughs) We're like, give us fucking George. Let's get out of here. And they wouldn't. And we were like, and they said, come back tomorrow morning. We're like, we're not going back. We are here right now. Give us George. So to this day, if I go to a shelter and they're like, well, let me see your tag. I'm like, bitch. I'm going to curse somebody off.
1: What I don't understand is like they're kill shelters and you're like, I'll take it. And they're like, like, like you were saying, Christina, you're like, here's 900 things you have to do to prove that you're worthy for this dog. Nobody wants. And you're like, I get keeping them safe and what have you. But like, it's it's easier to get a gun than a kitten, Right. (laughs) And so
3: like, I, I, I saw some cat and I was like, it was, it was small, but I was like, oh, okay. So it wasn't like a newborn. I don't have, you know, the energy for that, but it was like six months. And it was like, Unless you have a cat in the home already, or you're like, and also you've had a cat for the past six years, then you can't adopt this kitten. I was like, I'm sorry, the cat's homeless. Like, I have a real job. I want to take care of this cat. Like, and then they were just like, you know, some of the places were like, well, we do a home visit. I was like, so wait, we can literally get a real live baby easier than we can get this kitten. Like, what is wrong with this system? And I get it. There are lots of weird, sick people that abuse animals, but also it's just like, I'm trying to give this cat a
1: home. Come on, guys! Like, work with me. It's a global pandemic, and also, cats are like the easiest thing to take care of. Like, it's not rocket science. Like, literally, like, point to some food, point to some water, a litter box. They figure out a litter box better than most kids potty train. And you're telling me that this, like, I need to take a course. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <Right>? Like,
3: <laughs> right. I need to go to like Lamont's baby class <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I can like adopt this cat. So, but I do. So, uh, I know a guy who has a main Coon. Who taught the main coon, though, how to use the toilet? Yeah. And so the, the cat uses the bathroom. So and I was like, crazy. that's something to think about if you don't want litter all around your house. And then another friend sent me this website. So I was like, oh, I don't want litter, you know, sort of kind of around the apartment. And it was a $500 litter box. I was like, who is buying this stuff? Like, who is spending the time toilet training a cat? I don't know if I have that kind of time. And I don't know if I have $500 that I want to spend on a cat. Cause I feel like in a, in a moment where families are being evicted and like struggling for food, one, I ha- I'm having some sort of conscious things. Like, do I need to buy a cat? Like I should be adopting a cat and like donating to the shelter, but also $500 for a litter box. I feel like I would need to go and then donate $500 to a family. <laughs> like it, it just seems like frivolous. So I don't, I, I think I have to sort of, you know, sort of, uh, negotiate my feelings about spending money on an, like this kind of money on an animal when I know that they're like human beings that could use that.
2: Well, but let's be stuff. real. We're black. If you wanted to get a cat, somebody could get you a cat.
3: Right. <laughs> a <black laughs> cat. It's not going to get you <laughs> one, but if we got, we got somebody <laughs> black and you want a cat. You uh, have it. <laughs> and you know I live in Brooklyn, so you know I could probably just go outside make anybody got a cat.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yes. And there's just always stand a the born And whisper cat. <laughs> and there's and always a <laughs> cat. The bodegas too, you could just oh, go in yeah, there and rescue yeah. them from those, those little bodegas. Up. No, but
3: here's the thing. I don't buy from a bodega that doesn't have a cat. And I'm really struggling because the bodega closest to my house doesn't have a cat that I can see. I think they might keep them in the back, but I'm like, do you guys have a cat? And the guy, I think thought I was asking like in a bad way. So he's like, no. And I was like, well, then I don't want to buy from you. Like, unless you have a cat, like, and they're always the fattest cats. <laughs> it's like. But, Bo- like, do not buy from a bodega that doesn't have a fat old bodega cat because that means the cat's not eating all the mice that it
1: really It's funny, like ways. you can go
2: into a bodega and find a Snickers bar from '85.
1: And yes. you're like, this is <laughs> not why
2: I won't shop here. Where's the cat? And- <laughs> right,
3: where is the cat? That's so funny. And I, I love how the bodega cat also doesn't move when you're trying to, like, purchase something. That's right. So it's like, oh, I want, I want to get this type of rice, so, like, this salad dressing. The bodega cat's like, then work around <laughs> me because I live here. And you're in my space. And I'm like, excuse me. Um, can someone get you're this like, hat You're, so you're like, Mister Tabby. This, this salad has been here <laughs> since 2005. <laughs> Just let me right. buy this old ass salad dressing. <laughs> no, please. for for triple the price that I should that. pay. I always love when the Bodega cat that was is on the counter. So you're trying to purchase things and you can't. And like batting there, right? And it's like, no, <laughs> I live here. <laughs>
0: well, well like, I I do want to ask Liz about. This is great. I love it. We're all like animal people. I love this. I know because uh, the podcast we talk about such serious. And we will get into those issues, but this is nice to just talk about our love for animals. Because like this perception that you know women of color or people, black people don't like pets is so off. I love animals on a well. I I am one of those people. I do like animals a little bit more than people. I but that. I
3: mean, but Marina, like, let's be honest. Like, I think black people also have lots of conversations about like if we're in trouble. It's like we have a better chance of being helped by certain individuals. If we were a dog, like, Oh yeah. You know, that, you know, certain people it's like you can kill Breonna Taylor and Mike Brown and, you know, Trayvon Martin, but it's like, but if they were carrying a kitten, absolutely. Or a puppy, then those police officers would be under the jail.
0: Christina, when I would go in about, you know, breast cancer and care and all that, I would talk about Billy nonstop so that they gave a fuck about me. Mm. All of a, You should see the way they turned. They're like, oh, you have a cat? And then all of a sudden, my treatment was better. You're worthy. It was like, it was crazy. So yeah, use it. Use it, sisters. Now, Liz, I, w- I want to ask you about your book, Why Cats Are Assholes. Assholes. And and when you, because that's exciting. Just when did you write it? What was the, inspired you? And what's it about?
1: Before I talk about it, I just like the idea that, like, a new chain of, like, baby Bjorns come out, but it's just a kitten, and that's, like, the new bulletproof vest. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just people holding their dogs and their animals just so people are nice to you. I mean, it's a horrible idea, but it's also, like, yeah, let's all just carry our animals with us at all times. Yes. Um. So I... I've always talked about cats too much in general, let alone on stage. Um, So I've always had a ton of cat jokes, but my perspective has always been, I love them, but they're the worst. And I have, I had a joke that from my first album called, um, uh, fuck, what was it called? It's something like, um, everyone's just one bad breakup away from owning a cat. So (laughs) it was pretty much about the fact that nobody, nobody, um, like you don't adopt a cat, like something bad has to happen to you. And then they kind of fall into your life. And it was this perspective that like nobody, like, and it's like, it's kind of, especially for men, it's kind of true. Any guy that owns a cat, like it was just like, truly their life was in shambles. And then a cat showed up and rescued them. Um, but uh, an editor wanted to write this cat, this book about why cats were assholes, but from a loving perspective and couldn't find anybody that wasn't even just trashing them or being like, they're angels or a gift from God. Um, and I was right there where I was just like, no, I see them. I love them, but they're the worst. And, um, and so I pitched him exactly how I would write it. And I spent um, a little bit before the pandemic, I actually like slowed down my touring to start writing this book. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, Damn it. Um hate goals, I, I, man. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just ruining all our plans. Um so I I you know, it's a very silly book, but it's like it's kind of funny where I went to school for creative writing, you know, I've been doing stand up forever, but that sitting down and just like writing every story and thought you had about a topic that you I feel like I've been, like, this is how dating was hard. Like, I'm just waiting for them to talk to me about the thing I care about. And then I was like, oh, I'll just write a book. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why am I trying to get this out of people when I could just write a book? So it's really silly. It's like how to name your cat. It has the whole history. Like, I was really dorky into, like, Egypt and Japan when I was little. And then being able to actually go to uh, Egypt for a military tour, I went to Japan on a vacation and did some shows out there. So, like, and, like, both of them are just, like, giant cat cafes. Like, it's just kind of fun to, like... They learn the history of it, why they worshiped cats, why we kind of worship cats, why they're, you know, they're they're always the viral videos. They're always the ones that um, seem to take off, but you seem to never meet anybody that openly likes them at the same time, except for like maybe Taylor Swift. So it's just really about like, why they get to behave the way they do, why people don't like them, why they're associated. Like I did all this research about why they're associated with witches, which was kind of fun. And like all the superstitions, like my cat's all black. And like, they're the, you know, the least adopted. They're often, you know, the first killed in kill shelters. And it's all because of these weird European superstitions. Black that make- cats
2: are so beautiful. I'm like, I get yeah.
1: nothing when I well, look at that. I don't feel weird. <laughs> what is Oh my God. Like mine has beautiful golden eyes. I've seen ones with beautiful green eyes. Like you're just kind of like, you're an adult. Like you're literally like a superstition that you don't even understand. And you're not going to like, that's insane. Um, I mean, she's slowly like she's getting little white hairs out of stress from living. She's 16 now. So she started out with one white hair, like on her butt. And now she has like 16 white hairs, which I like to call them stress hairs from living with me. Um, So, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I think they're the cutest and I love, like I did all this research. Like I, it was funny, my mom um, being a, you know, a cat specialist for almost 40 years, she was the first one to read it. She's like, I learned some stuff. And I was like, really? I was like, that's insane. Um, But yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of show like both sides of kitties and, and why you love them, you know, in spite of their flaws. Oh, I love it. I want to get it. Where can they, where can we get the book? Oh yeah. Everything's on pre-sale. You can get it on Amazon, Indie Books, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, so, uh, and then it, it officially comes out March 30th. Okay.
2: Ooh, wonderful. I remember the most peaceful times I've had were in my, I lived in Bellflower in LA. Wasn't a comic or I did, I was playing with it. I was really not trying to be pro. And I lived in my apartment and I had two cats. But I, rem- I remember Sunday afternoons when I had, that wasn't entertainment. I was bored. Sunday, the job sucked. I didn't have a boyfriend. I had this all-white cat. Her name was Bebe. And I just remember her laying under the coffee table on Sundays while I'm on the couch watching. I just remember being really bored and her just being bored with me. The <laughs> and, then, and then for some reason, I got a feral, a feral stray cat that my neighbor had. And the cat was fucking up her house. <laughs> she's, like, he, she's like this cat needs friends like, okay I have a cat and I took her cat in and when I tell you they were the sweetest family during the day but at night they would it would be fucking Afghanistan in the living room I don't know <laughs> what they were doing but I'd, I'd go to sleep and leave them on the couch they look at me like night. I go upstairs and I would hear nothing but shit crashing and lamps falling and I'm like what the fuck are you two doing and I come down there, and they look at me like we don't know what they would stop whatever they're doing when I'd come downstairs, but I would see they're everything so broken fall, everything falling <laughs> over. And I'm like, you guys, of course, this is you YouTube. Right. And look at me like, we don't know what you're talking about.
0: They're so <laughs> smart. You're so right.
2: I mean, loud noises, the loudest. Somebody's definitely breaking in to kill me. No, it's just your cats.
0: I love the comedian. What's his name? Is it Tony Baker? Yes. That does the voiceovers for, for the cat. often. Oh, for the like animals, the pets, and sometimes the cat. Oh my God, it's hysterical! You know, I, I'm like late to the party. I know he's been doing wow. it for quite some time, but I love watch. I love watching his I'm videos not gonna, with the cat. I'm phone. not gonna lie, I do judge men when they tell me they have cats.
1: Why there was I'm an article,
2: Jackie? Knew, that literally- I'm new to this letting men do different things, and I bet they can still be men to me. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: I read a whole book on male depression and you were part I'm of the working problem
2: with the, I'm working with men that I know to be like, look, I allow, and I allow, I was arrogant. I'm, I'm receptive to the fact that men can do blah, blah, blah. And cats is one of them.
1: But what's interesting about it is like, so I, I just uh, broke up with my boyfriend in September <laughs> and I, thank you. I feel free. Our reactions were so, I was like, Oh, you're like, congrats. Yeah, yeah, congrats. Yeah. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> um, but I'm probably gonna cut my hair soon. It's been six months. I was like, "But I probably will be cutting all my hair off." Um, <laughs> I wanted to heal and then decide if I wanted to chop yeah. all my hair off. But, um, but what's interesting? My whole family—like, I have two brothers. Um, they're in their 20s, and they're both cat guys. Like, clearly, my dad's a cat guy. Like, we're, but like in general, whether you like cats or not, when I see a guy with a cat, my thought is. He's a caretaker. He does not have to take care of this thing. And he's a caretaker. And I know like dogs, there's like a more masculine thing. I don't know why. But like to me, all of that is soft and, and, and honoring a kindness in their heart that like you're getting up and feeding something that isn't you. That is awesome. Like that is such a like a ghost. Like, I don't know why they're always in a boat holding a fish <laughs> in online dating. I don't care that you killed a fish the size of your body. I want to see you feed that fish to a cat half its size. Oh. Right? <laughs> I love it.
2: What's <laughs> funny is that when you said uh, it's soft, my first thought was a different kind of
0: soft. Like,
3: <laughs> like soft.
1: Heart, Jackie, what's got, wrong with your he's heart?
0: Soft. He got cats? <laughs> Well, Todd Barry is documenting, I think, about every single day with his cat right I now. I
1: love it.
0: Right. I mean, I convinced him to get this cat too. Because he.
1: Know. I- I've clipped little nails whenever he couldn't get his uh, nail clipper person. And this is the funniest thing about it. And so I'm, you know, I'm the daughter of two veterinarians. I'm rough. Like I do, like, I'm careful. I'm not going to hurt them. I know exactly how to clip nails to not hurt them, but I don't, I don't fuck around. Like, I'm not going to get scratched. I will scruff you. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I do what I got to do. And he was like, what are you, you're hurting her. I was like, Todd, I'm not hurting. You're hurting Todd. Do you, do you want a couch that doesn't have scratches? Or do right. you, you know, like come on, bro? But he, like, I, he did, like, he asked me a favor, and then he was like, "You're rough. I don't like this." <laughs> like, no, you're so, good. You're uh, real. Yeah, yeah.
3: I will say, I wake up every morning, and I just joined Instagram like a few months ago. I had to for work, and I spend like thirty minutes every morning just looking at cat videos
0: <laughs> and sending. Like, and you send it them just, to me, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it just like lowers my blood pressure. It just makes me feel sane. It makes me very happy. It does something with my serotonin levels. <laughs> I'm like this is what I need in the morning to just like start my day is like looking at cats napping and yawning and being jerks and breaking things and that's the way I think everyone should start the day.
0: Perfect segue into an article. Thank you Christina Greer, The Happiness Course. And then also we'll go back to animals because gorillas are getting their vaccine. Yay! I was so happy about that. You have no idea. When I heard that gorillas had COVID and I was like, please finish the story. I need to know. So let's go with the happiness course first. Over the course of the pandemic, a publicly available Yale University class titled The Science of Wellbeing" has skyrocketed in enrollment with nearly 3.3 million people having signed up. Everyone knows what they need to do to protect their physical health. Wash your hands and social distance and wear a mask. And Lori Santos, professor of psychology at Yale, explained people were struggling with what to do to protect their mental health. Christina does calf videos, see? The, <laughs> class, the class curriculum asked students to track their sleep patterns, keep a gratitude journal, perform random acts of kindness, and note whether over time these behaviors correlate with a positive change in their mood. For some students, the class has been life-changing. For others, the class didn't provide, they were like, look, I already knew, you know, take a nap. I didn't have to take a (laughs) class to do that. Um, But one small, this is what I found interesting about the article, was the one small study from Dr. Santos' curriculum that stuck with her involved pulling 632 Americans to predict how happy they would be if they were given $5 to spend on themselves versus getting $5 and being told they must spend it on someone else. And in the study, people predicted that they would be happier if they were allowed to keep the money but participants consistently reported afterwards that they had in fact derived more satisfaction from spending money on someone else. So anyway, I say that to say, don't be selfish.
1: Motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is probably not the right perspective, but it made me really sad that people needed to take a course to find out to be a good person. Like it really was like, I read it and I was like, come on guys. Like, And I don't know, like, my parents are, like, I've actually had to be in therapy to set boundaries and not give the shirt off my back to the point where I don't own any shirts. Like, that's the kind of thing, like, those are the books that I'm reading. So it's interesting to me that people need to take a course. And I get it. Everybody's raised differently and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it did make me a little sad, like... You you know, and like if it changes your life, that's great. And I'm happy for you. And I we could all use reminders. I think we all get into our own ego and our own head. And I've I've definitely had to be like, you gotta focus less on your career and more about just being happy. And I've definitely had to have those reminders. But I never need a reminder to like give to others. Like but it's And it's like know what
0: I... we were saying before we started the show about this the way people are acting in spring break. Oh and yeah. how we're seeing that they're not taken into consideration that what they're doing is going to affect the rest of the, the world.
3: But this is like the tale as old as time with Americans, where it's just like this idea of collective action is, so, is something we struggle with. Like we're such an individualistic society where it's like, you know, I should make money for me. I should take care of my family and like you guys get in where you fit in. And so we have half of the country like that doesn't believe in a social safety net for others. They don't think that they should pay taxes if it doesn't, you know, directly go straight to them. And it's like, they don't want to contribute to the collective good, but it's like, we've seen countries where people don't contribute to the collective good. And it's like, well, anarchy, civil war breaks out. You know, we saw this in France hundreds of years ago. It's like when poor people have nothing else to eat, guess who they eat, the rich. So it's like, you can hoard all your money all you want, Jeff Bezos, but like at a certain point in time, people are going to come start banging down your door. So like, if you even contributed to the whole in like the slightest of ways, we could actually all live better, but there's so many people where it's just like, they think that contributing to someone, God forbid that person either comes equal to their status or supersedes them. And it's like, then I want to give you nothing. I want to make sure you have nothing. Or it's like, you know, with the liberals, God bless them, but it's like, they like all this stuff in theory, as long as it doesn't affect their lives in any capacity. So it's like, they believe in education, you know, and like, oh, poor people and, you know, children without resources, Should have a good education. Do you want them to go to school with your kids? God, no, no. Like, you know, we see this on the Upper West Side all the time. So it's like they like it in theory, but as long as it doesn't make them change any of their behaviors or like affect them in any sort of way. And like, this is this constant struggle we're in as a society of like, well, if we consistently try to diminish the livelihood of others, like, none of us are going to be successful or free. And at a certain point in time, Folks are going to come and, like, take what is yours if you don't sort of think about sharing in more of a widespread um, realm of, like, American democracy.
1: Isn't that, oh, like... What? Oh, go ahead. No, oh, you can go.
0: No, I was I was just going to say, like, the other article about Florida, uh, Senator Rick Scott is now urging governors and mayors across the country to reject yes. s-
1: the stimulus? The stimulus what? is, what, 75% um, uh, approval rating? Like... I'm sorry. Like I'm in Florida right now with a friend of mine. And a part of me is just like, or do you, did you not talk to anybody? Did you not talk to anybody here? Like, don't get me wrong. It's a little bit of wild West out here. I like, it is a little bit like, like we went to go to a restaurant. We wanted to go out somewhere outside and we're just doing drive-bys to see how many people are wearing masks. Like, like it is, but that doesn't mean that people here or and other States aren't concerned. Don't need the money that, 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 So you're just going to like, I know the whole point of a representative is to speak for your people, but you need to talk to them first before you have them try to not take the money. And like, this is life changing money for a lot of people that have food insecurity that haven't worked probably in a year. Like it's insane to me to believe that, you know, what's right for people when you haven't even talked to them or even made an effort to help them. But like what you were saying, Christina, what I I guess what I struggle with And maybe this is because I'm from a large family, like I'm one of five kids. So the word compromise was like drilled in my head to the point where like it, I have like little triggers from it where I'm like, I hate that word. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to be selfish, I care about my parents. I mean, I don't really have grandparents, but like I care about my older aunts and uncles. There's even if we're just going to keep it in the lineage, you even look at somebody like Trump, like. He has some care for his family or for people that have helped him. So how is it that you don't even just think of them if you're a spring breaker? Like, you don't think like, is it just you don't believe in science? Is it you are avoiding them? Therefore, they don't matter anymore because you're not going to go to them. But then you have the other people's parents, other people in your community, people that have autoimmune diseases, people that have suppressed immune system, like all this that I just it doesn't take very much for me to see myself outside of this kind of collective. And I just wonder how people were raised that they can't go outside, even just like their, themselves, let alone a smaller community.
2: When I visited Florida recently to do stand-up, it was hard for me not to talk to them when I first got on stage. And before the set began, I, I did yeah. say to them, like, what's wrong with y'all?
3: all <laughs> <Right. Right. laughs>
2: And that wasn't part mm-hmm. of the plan, but it was my first time in one of the, you know, the red state, uh, rebellion states, that when I was finally there, I got on stage like, what's Florida? Why y'all driven? They were mm-hmm. looking and they were looking at me kind of
1: like, What? Like you <laughs> know, like I You have the oldest people. Literally, your state has the oldest. It's like you and like West Virginia have the oldest people. You shouldn't you be more concerned? Right. I was like, like, I don't I wanted to ask them, what's
2: wrong with you guys? And but and I think they, a lot of these people, a, a few of them, uh, most of them laughed because they didn't know what I was doing, but I was dead serious. Like, no, nah, I want to know what's wrong with you
3: guys. <laughs> but I think a lot of the wealthy ones, I mean, you know, you have the, the crazies that like think that coronavirus and COVID is just like a total lie and it's a figment yeah. of democratic imagination, <laughs> which is bonkers. But then you have others where it's like, you know, Donald Trump and the first lady, former first lady, they got their vaccines before they left the White House. Yeah, Like he used all those medical miracles when he was gasping for air with his, you know, well done steak riddled body. Mm -hmm. Right. And diet Coke all day. Like the folks who were just like, Oh, it's not a big deal. A lot of them have the resources and the means they have insurance. They have doctors who, you know, are giving them treatments that aren't, you know, fish food and fish chemicals to try and like fight coronavirus. And they know that like, you know, they're going to places where they're protected and their money is protecting them to a certain extent. And they're just using this wide brush, like, everybody, let's do it. But I just don't understand the strategy of Republicans killing off their own voters, potentially. Like that to me just doesn't seem like a smart strategy. that all these old people dying with COVID. And it's like, that's your voting base, dummy. Like, take care of them. Well, that's like the capital, people who
2: didn't wanna People who are you work there, and they still weren't for the prosecution and/or arresting of right. right. I'm like, guys, this this guy stormed. He stole your laptop. Like,
3: you know? <laughs> right. You don't want to? No, you okay?
2: Yeah. You a book with like, all
3: your passwords. They were calling for you to be executed, and like, you know, or or the the police officer who was just like, you know, I was trying to tell them like I have kids. And I was like, that's so interesting because George Floyd, Jacob Blake, like all these people had kids, like. You don't care about that so i mean it's also this larger story of like black skin equaling criminality and like white police officers literally you can go on youtube and just google like white people acting a fool with police officers they'll slap police officers spit on them try and steal their gun run away i'm like you are doing everything in your power to get shot and like you're not getting shot you're not even getting roughed up and not saying that that's what they deserve but like black folks are just sort of like, hey, I have a question. And then they're riddled with bullets. And it's like, well, I feared for my life. And I'm like, if you feel for your life that badly by a black person asking you a question, then you shouldn't be a police officer. And who
0: period. was the senator that recently said that he was more afraid of Black Lives Matter oh, than, um, and Antifa? than
3: Was that Ron Johnson? I mean, it's so many of them who sort of have said equi- the equivalent of that. Yeah. It's like, don't forget the evening of January 6th. The Republican talking points were essentially this is the same thing that we witnessed every summer. This is just, you know, Black Lives Matter is actually more dangerous than what we just witnessed today. And it's like, they stormed the Capitol, dude. They stole laptops. They spread feces. They broke windows. Like, they knew that they could, you know, overpower the government if they wanted to because white cops wouldn't arrest them. Like, what? How is this the same as Black people marching down the street for freedom and justice? I don't get it. You know what they had to have happen to
2: be mad? I guarantee you that Capitol rioting, people's lunches definitely got stolen out the fridge. <laughs> I guarantee it tried- you. Jared, how did I just like take it? It had my
1: name on
3: it. <laughs> you want to get people angry? Who took my sandwich? Right. All right, now. <laughs> but, but hold on, did you, I just saw this today, this morning when I was looking at my cat videos on Instagram, but I guess this, this black woman is in an office space, I guess people are going back to the office, and someone stole her eggs. She, I guess she bought eggs for later on in the day and someone stole her eggs. Were they already cooked, hard boiled? No, just, just someone stole a dozen eggs. Why she got another egg that's lying around the office? I think she went to the grocery store before work, put them in the fridge, in the communal fridge, and someone took them. So she writes this letter <laughs> that says, you know, whoever t- took my eggs, please let me know. Like, those were not regular eggs. They looked regular, but there is like some, basically some juju on these eggs. <laughs> and so like, I need to know, um, like, if you ingested them, please come and see me right away. Like we have to, we have to discuss that's it. So so I guess she was totally lying. Some <laughs> oh guy was God. like, oh my God, I ate the eggs. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> Oh, that's <so laughs>
2: hilarious. Ah, I love it. I love she it.
3: She some like convoluted, I love she, that. mystical story. What is she like, those
1: are my actual eggs. Those
3: are, right, those right. are my eggs. Dudes wouldn't
1: even know. Dudes would not but even say even it. Know. If you were like, hey, those are the eggs for me to have children in the future. He'd right. be like, I'm so sorry. She made it vague enough and scary enough where this guy came clean I, real fast. I guarantee you yeah. most of the
3: men in that office were like, are those her eggs, dude?
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> they had no, and no <laughs> one. Pulled 12,
1: Twelve of her future babies. Exactly. True,
0: true story. <laughs> I am one of those people. Who dips into other people's stuff in the refrigerator? I, I, Are I, you I, I, well, it was a, it's solved. I'm no longer like who this. Raised you don't work in an office. I don't well, think it's solved. No, I just, who raised you? By well, I, <laughs> I raised myself mostly. But the thing is, is like <laughs> when I was a room, I had a roommate in college in Syracuse who had these cookies that her friend gave her as a gift. And she never ate the cookies and I just couldn't rationalize it. And it really bugged me that she just had these cookies sitting there for so long. And I was, and I was just like, I don't know if I was, it's just always been sort of me to like want what other people have, like, as far as food. And then, like, so time passed, like three months passed, and the cookies were driving me crazy, man. And I ate those motherfuckers. (laughs) I just ate I opened it and I ate them. And then she found like You know the thing that preserves the cookies? She found just the little um, evidence in the kitchen. And she sat down and she was like, we need to have a discussion. I was like, what? She's like, did you eat my cookies? And I was like, yeah, I mean, oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Who left? Christina? Oh, my God. She couldn't believe you're
1: that kind of person. She was like, I can't be on a podcast like this.
0: I mean, I got to tell you guys, though. I... I had to eat those. It was the best feeling in the world to eat those cookies. She forgave me, though, because I kept the container because she was a gift.
1: Why couldn't you have asked? I just don't understand why you just don't go like, hey, you're not using them. Can I have some? She's your roommate. She's around. It's not. I don't know. Something just came over me where it was like. It's sexier to steal them. That's what it is.
0: It was in, <laughs> it was it That's was real. like it was in the moment. It was one of those things where like maybe she doesn't know. And
1: obviously, after three months, who doesn't eat cookies after three months? That's, I mean, that—that's actually, I couldn't handle that I part quit. of the story. Like, yeah, that's that. The part of me is just like, what? Teach me your ways. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't, don't get like that. Is
2: when I go to somebody's office and people have in my past have had these jars on their desks, so filled yes. with M Ms. And whenever wow. I go to someone's office, and I'm like, that's always full, and they're like you and do people who are like, oh like i can't work with a gigantic jug of m&ms on my desk
1: my little sister was a receptionist in la and she was the person that was in charge they had these big things on her receptionist desk of like candy or whatever and it was her job to refill them and she was like i might have to quit this job (laughs) she's like i cannot sit and stare at candy all and then nobody takes it so i'm just like it kind of feels like it's my candy So she's just like, I feel like I have ownership of this candy. So then when somebody randomly does take the candy, I get mad. Like I find myself having to control my face because they just touched my candy when it's really everybody in the office candy. It's just on my desk. (laughs)
0: Look, the feeling that I had, I still remember eating those cookies. It brought me so much joy. But she was she was so I mean, she was so mad at me because she was like, it's a gift. I was like, I just don't understand, Rebecca, why you wouldn't eat the cookies when you had them, though. And I just felt like I was actually doing you a favor because you didn't seem to care about your gift. But anyway, she she forgave me. She found, the, she found the, the little wrapping and the receipt and then she was like over it. The thing I love about this stimulus article is it's done by The Root. Going back to that about why Florida Senator Rick Scott is now urging governors and mayors across to reject the federal stimulus money. The Root and like other articles like Jezebel are starting to drop the F-bomb In their uh, address of these situations and this person, um, Stephen A. Crockett Jr. says, but here is the thing. Inept fuck stick, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is actually annoyed that Florida didn't receive more money. And then at the end of the article, he also puts also fuck this guy. Now, is that? Christina, what do you think? Is that good journalism to start dropping the F-bomb like that?
3: No. Well, I think it's...
0: What's so frustrating is like
3: having talked to a lot of journalists, there are a lot of people who write about important stuff and then they're journalists. And those are two totally different people, right? So it's like I write op-eds all the time. I'm a political scientist, but I'm not a journalist. There's certain ethics that go along with journalism. There's certain facts that have to be there. And that's different from being someone who writes opinion pieces. I think some journalists are leaning more into the, the opinion stuff. Because, like, let's also be clear it's a business and it's a dying business. So you'll see that, like, certain outlets nowadays tend a little bit more to the sensational because we're talking about an F bomb and not necessarily does this article meet journalistic criteria? Like, have you proven the point about DeSantis being a. F stick right, right? yeah. Like walk me through it, and I think the there's a blurry porous line between opinion and journalism, and there's a reason why journalists are in a totally different category than, say, opinion column people. So I'm a little uh, hesitant to sort of go on the bandwagon of like you know, just dropping swear words because it's like, yeah, listen, I have a potty mouth when I'm not in class and when I'm not on podcast. Like anyone who knows me knows that I am a sailor. But I do think when I'm writing, it's like, use your words, Chrissy. Like find the words to use to prove your point so that people at the end of it draw their conclusion that DeSantis is an F stick. But I don't actually have to say it. Like I should give you enough facts so that at the end, your conclusion is this guy's an F stick as opposed to me telling you what to think right
0: I was just I found that so fast I was like I gotta ask Christina this question because I was like it was also, and he totally is but you yeah because like, it was but also can, in the Jezebel can, article I noticed they
3: yeah were- and and I think though that you know like uh, the reason why I do like Jezebel though is like because some people aren't going to read the Times and the Washington Post and so like they do actually like op- op-ed journalism because it it does help them serve as like a shortcut to sort of like yeah I think I had an opinion on this but this is helpful like Now I know, yeah, I agree with this person. Like I respect this person's opinion. So it's sort of, you're giving me my opinion and I don't have to sort of do all this other background research. But I mean, I I think for someone like DeSantis though, I mean, there's so much information that is readily available to prove the point very easily that this man is an F-stick, that we we can sort of just lay out sort of what he's done and failed to do for the citizens of Florida. And- it doesn't have to be as sensational.
1: I also wonder if it like, to me, it always depends on your goal. Like I, I curse like a sailor. It's my favorite thing. You know what I mean? To not have to think about it and just be able to just kind of be my, myself or whatever. But I also understand that by taking out curse words, by being, um, uh, being able to be shown to everybody, you know what I mean? When you have a clean joke or whatever, it's, it, it, your ideas are more accessible to people because certain language turns people off. So to me, it's, it's more about the, the choice of how many people do you want to see this because you close off a huge um, group of people that would never look at this just because you cursed, just because you, or you taught, you called somebody a name, not even cursed, just like when you start calling, you know, you call Trump an orange person or, you know, whatever weird names we gave them. It doesn't even have to be cursing, it's just what name calling in general, people start to turn off. And so I think the question is always, you know, do you want this to be accessible to a group of people that will start to get information they might have not gotten? Or are you just trying to like like you said, Christina, you're just kind of your base already agrees with this and you're now you're giving you're um helping them either conceal like not conceal um uh like make their opinion more solid or you're putting words like it's the same umph. You know what I mean? When somebody's just like, ah fuck this shit. You're like, yeah, I also feel fuck this shit. Like you're it's like sometimes you need that exact language to feel connected to it, but I think you take away so many people that are like if that's how you're going to talk, I'm not going to... You're not... You, all,
0: also, comedians don't... I mean, comedians, you know, when, when I curse a lot on stage, it's when I don't have the material. No, <laughs> <laughs> mm. so It's always when I'm at my newest bits. My newest bits have the most curse words.
1: Yeah, and then you slowly take them out to, like... To me, it's always, like, this fuck needs to be... It gives emphasis to it, but it's not the punchline. But I still, like people need to know I'm mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they ha- has but I, I do think when it comes to articles like this, like it doesn't turn me off, but I know it, even if my father agreed with that article, as soon as he starts cursing, my dad's out. And it doesn't matter if he agrees mm. with that entire article, he, he shuts down.
2: I was just about to say my mother is the same way. Like I, I'm quarantining with her. Of course, hopefully this is over soon. And when I'm in the living I watched the I watch comedy specials on the main TV in the living room and that's and she's that's her domain downstairs and I remember watching Gina Brion's comedy special and uh marina's comedy special and and I know whether or not there's too much cursing if my mother leaves the room and when I put on Gina's and I put on marina she sat there and listened to the whole thing but oh when I put, thank God. But when I put on Leslie and and Tiffany I know that She's gonna walk out of the room and curse on the way out. Like, why is there so many curse words? And I'm like, and I can gauge you cut off people who are you know of her age group with even though she curses, but in her, you know, they're still in this world where ladies and blah blah blah, all that bullshit. But I'm like, when she sat there listening to Marina and Gina, I'm like, that's what she can tolerate. She can't tolerate and Jim Gaffigan. But once once I start watching anybody else, she she leaves the room entirely. He could be dropping gems. Well, I
0: feel like I dropped some F-bombs. Look at me. I'm like, I know I did a couple. You do,
2: but they're within your conversation. They're not the actual, they're not the payoff.
0: Right. Yeah, because I knew it was also Colin Quinn told me that, too. He confirmed it for me when I was like, I think I'm cursing too much. He goes, right. He goes, you always curse too much when it's a new joke. (laughs) That's what you do. Because you don't, you're trying to figure it out in your head. And so you kind of have to do that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's kind of crazy, but I would listen to the audio later and I was like, oh my God, the curse words is just not, it's not really helping this bit really. You know, I got to figure out what it is.
1: That's actually how I kind of know when it's polished is that they're almost all gone. Like, you know, when people are like, when's a joke over and I'm just like, oh, when it accidentally became a clean joke, I've really.
2: It almost makes me like when I do submit my sets for review by whomever and they're like, OK, this is cool. What'd you do? to ch-? I'm like, oh, I did was take out the gratuitous curse word. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like, it's the same joke I've been doing for 10 years. I just took it out. Yeah, all that's
2: all hilarious.
0: That. But,
1: you
3: know, it's so interesting because it's like when I listen to comedy, you know, like you all are the comedians. I'm the consumer of comedy. I guess for me. I don't mind cursing. I just think that sometimes weak comedians curse because they don't have anything to say. I guess Marina is sort of saying, you know, going to your point, it's like when you actually have like a tight joke, you don't need like gratuitous F-bombs just sort of like sitting there. But as, as a professor, like, you know, I don't swear in, when I teach. But when I'm a student, like I try and take classes, you know, like I take my burden classes and like now I take these Peloton classes because I think it's helpful for me to be a student to to be a better teacher. So I can like see how people communicate and give out information effectively. It's interesting in my exercise classes there. And as I said before with Liz, like we are little sailors when we're not on this podcast. So I find it so interesting. I'm actually turned off by teachers who swear. So like there are a few exercise teachers who, you know, that's like their motivating thing and like they're dropping F-bombs. And I'm like, when I'm exercising, I actually don't need you cursing at me. I need like, I need a different (laughs) headspace. But I think it's so interesting because everyone's different. Cause I think some people are like turned on and motivated by like, come the F on, we can get up this effing hill together. And I'm like, Ooh, sir. Like, I don't need all that. Like, I don't need that. Like, I need you to sort of, you know, encourage me in a different way. So I, I I think it's fascinating how some people are fine with swearing, but it has to be in different Different, different moods Sometimes, but i didn't yeah.
1: even realize how much i cursed until my therapist who does not curse but like she was trying to get something through and she's like liz just fucking listen and i was like so like she doesn't curse and i was like i was like you cursed and she goes well i was just talking the way you talk so you understood and i was like how dare you what <laughs> I, was like, and I know that i'm a sailor but she really was one of the first people to make me realize that because you know you're angry you're crying or whatever and i was like that's that's the language you think I want to hear while I'm crying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious.
1: But it did make me focus because she never curses.
0: I had a a teacher, though, a theater teacher, who actually emphasized the importance of the curse words, the fact that they have, like in Shakespeare, the same type of um, emotional... uh, They evoke emotion when you hear the accents on the and the on the like fuck and she would always go listen to how strong the fuck your whole body goes through it emotionally which was important it was an important lesson but she was like shit and i would just be looking at her i was like she just want to be cursing up in this hour (laughs) um so let's move on to brianna taylor which i think is really important to mention the week that we're doing this this is going to go out a week after but this week marked exactly one year since Brianna Taylor was murdered by reckless police officers who were executing a search warrant that should never have been issued. It also has been just over five months since it was officially decided that no substantial criminal charges are coming to the officers who were involved. <laughs> However, Brianna Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, is still seeking accountability, and Palmer has filed complaints against six officers connected to the dead raid on March 13th of last year. This time the complaints aren't against the officers involved in the actual shooting that took place. Instead, they focus on members of Louisville Metro Police Department's Professional Standards Unit, which obviously was not professional or lacking of any profession, I would say. So I think it's it's you know, it's a hard one to look back. You know, I it, it's there's so much sadness in the world and and then when I saw this, I was like Oh my God! They still and they still can't say a black woman's name.
1: She was shot like an absorbent amount of times, right? It was like thirty something times. Like it was, is that that's correct, right?
2: She was in bed. I'm not sure how many shots there were. I don't
1: know how many but, shots. But that's the thing is that like you know it, it's a crime. You know it's you know it's a, it's a murder with no murderer. And you're like, let's pretend whatever. There's there's a reason whatever to be in there we all know what it takes to hurt somebody. And you went up, you know what I mean? Like it's, I, there was an article. um, So like uh, there's a lot of mental illness in my family. My little brother's been institutionalized uh, a bunch and we've had to call the police uh, to come pick him up. It's unfortunately a weird standard that when you need mental health, the police show up. And I have tons of stories of it being awful, but there was an article about like a nine-year-old girl and, you know, she needed to go to the hospital for mental reasons and they pepper sprayed her, they cuffed her, you know, like how, what protocol do you take a child in distress and you make it an, a million times worse? So it's what protocol of anybody being suspected of, cause whatever they're suspecting was, it was still nonviolent, what they had done. And you take it not only to violence, but an, even bigger level of violence. Like where is the protocol that someone that's dealing drugs, if that, which is not even the case, but where death is the penalty without a trial. Like it's just nothing even matches, even if there was a protocol, but this is a, a, a lack of protocol for how you treat any human. It just feels like
2: police enforcement. It feels like law enforcement. They, they were taught in training use, use extra force with anyone of color or female. That's like it's what they were taught and like, it's all they do. I don't understand why that is.
3: I think also it's just, you know, a lot of cops know that there aren't going to be any repercussions for killing black people. Like we haven't seen it. So it's like, you know, you hide behind the, I was really afraid. You don't see black people as human male or female or child. You know, I think we have a fundamental breakdown in the system where it's like, why do we need to call police officers when someone's having a mental health crisis? Like, Because we know for a lot of communities, the gun comes out, not even the taser, not even like, let me just wait and call someone. It's like if someone's wielding a bat or a knife, the response should not be several bullets. Right. Like, but here we are. And so and, you know, I think a lot of the police unions, their argument is, well, these mental health breakdowns can quickly change, you know, into a situation where a police officer needs to use force. But it's like, well, there's deadly force and there's force. And we have enough data to see. It's like cops know when to use deadly force and when when to withhold it. Like they've been really, you know, they've practiced restraint. We've seen them on camera practicing restraint with a lot of white individuals. So like it can be done. It's just not done.
1: Every white school shooter seems to make it out alive. Without a scratch. And they have killed multiple people. They have a gun in hand. The, the, they've been called to say that they have a gun in hand and that they have used it. And they seem to always make it out alive. And here's somebody asleep in their bed. No, you know, no weapon. And you needed X amount of bullet. Like, it's, it, like they clearly know how to handle somebody that is violent. And here people are not violent. It's just there's no excuse.
3: I'm still on Dylan Roof going to Burger King. Oh, wow. I'm yes. still on the fact oh, that yeah. like you're trying to criminalize George Floyd. You're talking about some damn $20 counterfeit bill. You're pulling up Jacob Blake's freaking third grade transcript. You know, Brianna Taylor, you're trying to find pictures of her like partying with people and, and criminalizing her boyfriend and essentially saying that he did it, he didn't. You know, like Tamir Rice, Mike Brown. I mean, the list goes on and on about how they try and criminalize us well after we've been murdered. But then for Dylan Roof, it's like, oh, this poor boy's life is ruined. Kyle Rittenhouse, I can raise $2 million online and then not even have to sit in jail to think about what I've done waiting for my trial. I can be caught again underage drinking. I can be caught with a firearm. I can be caught, you know, sort of going against all the rules that they said I had to follow if not my tail was going directly to jail. And it's like, He's just a boy. Like, just let him be. Or, or you know, order, he's got a or big fri- child coming up. Organic
0: food. With the, with oh, all. listen.
3: Or what about the woman who was like, well, I can't sit in jail. I have a trip to Mexico. So, <laughs> like, so you stormed the Capitol because you said too many immigrants were coming over and you hate Mexicans. Yet the judge doesn't want to make you sit in jail to think about what you've done because you already have a vacation in Mexico. So you get to go to Mexico. I mean, it's like this is the stuff that if it doesn't make you insane or enraged, like, I don't understand what's happening.
1: How did they even get to leave? Like, it goes back to uh, all the Black Lives Matter where people are, like, peacefully protesting and they're being arrested on the spot and people, you see everybody, everybody was there. Like, this whole, like, looking for the Capitol rioters, rioters is stupid. Like, they were there. They were already there. How did you let them leave?
0: Because they were a part of the ones letting them leave. They were the, that, that's the thing that we're not surprised is that the people who were involved are the police, actually. Uh, the Floyd family agrees to 27 million settlement amidst, amidst, amidst ex-cops trail. Um, so on March 11th, the city of Minneapolis agreed to pay $27 million to the family of George Floyd to settle a civil lawsuit. While the settlement will not affect the trial Of Derek Chauvin, the police officer who kneeled on George Floyd's neck, lawyers for the Floyd family say it will have an effect on cities across the country when there is a city council or a mayor deciding, oh, should we get rid of a no-knock warrant? Should we get rid of chokeholds? Do we want to charge these policies? Or do we, I mean, do we want to change these policies? They have 27 million reasons now why they should, said attorney Chris Stewart or L. Chris Stewart. So, you know, I, I don't know if that has effect.
3: I think a lot of people are worried that now that the family has received this $27 million payout, then the city will be less likely to convict Derek Chauvin because it's like, well, the family has gotten some sort of restitution as if money and justice are like one or the other. I mean, the fact that we just started calling it the Derek Chauvin trial as opposed to the George Floyd trial. George Floyd's not on trial; he's been murdered. So how can he be on trial? I think that's you know sort of weaves into this larger story. It's like so the trial's starting. You all haven't even started. You know, this was last week when they hadn't even started jury selection. But you ha- you're uh, going to deploy like a thousand National Guard troops. You've barbed wire the whole city you've got plexiglass everywhere. You're sort of setting it up so that like, oh, the Negroes are going to riot. And it's like, oh, so are you just basically planning on acquitting him and like just completely devaluing our quest for justice? I mean, I think the frustration is so palpable of Black people across the country. This is why I don't call them riots. It's like these are rebellions because you these cities create these powder keg situations where it's like, how many times can these white police officers get off with almost no ramifications after killing someone who's innocent. And the worst thing is, okay, you get fired, you still collect your pension and you can go one town over and get a job and start a brand new pension. So like the only, like the cop who killed Mike Brown, literally two towns over. So it's like the only inconvenience is that you possibly had to hire a lawyer, which your union pays for, right? You don't even have to come out of pocket. You maybe lose your job, but you know that there's another police department that is more than happy to give you a job, like to sort of, you know, bolster the inconvenience that you had to suffer for killing an innocent human being. So this trial is like, Minnesota has been through so much already, but I think it's just so indicative of like how the city is preparing for what they kind of know what's going to happen, which is this dude will probably get off and like folks are going to be ready to burn down the city. And it's like, well, are they wrong?
2: It's all, it's a, it's such a,
3: it's a, a conflict when I, when people ask me
2: about the writing and looting and stuff, and I'm always like, it's wrong, but first of all, get me something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My sizes. You know? But it's like, but we
3: care more about this. these, like these things, right? Martin Luther King's like, if you care more about the building than the people yeah, exactly. who built the building, then we got a problem. Like, and like it low key, we have something happened recently
2: where a cop was attacked. And and my first thought was, well, let's see how he thinks his feels, you know. And I, and I don't want to walk around with those thoughts. But every now and then I hear about a cop. I'm like, well, niggas got to know what we are going through, and that's not the right way to think. But it's and you know inadvertent. I can't even I can't even control it.
1: So the only thing that confuses me is that they were talking about the different degrees of murder, which I only sadly have started to kind of understand. And there was a CNN article saying that. I can't figure out if they've added a third degree or if they downgraded it to third degree. They they it? Downgrade. So it's first degree and second degree there, and they added third degree. They got to they got to prove all three. They got to pick one. So I guess I guess what my confusion is, and this is where I just don't understand, is by adding a third, meaning that, um, like you said, Jackie, like that, be by do, by adding a downgraded murder that that might be the one they pick or by adding a third one, at least something, there'll be some kind of accountability. Yeah. Third degree is like they're, they're, they're. Second. Is that oopsie murder, which Adrian talked about? Yeah. That's the third degree is where
2: they're trying to, they're trying very hard not to escape all murder charges. And third degree is like the bottom level. First, yeah. got to prove that it was planned and that's a, a hard one to plan, but it's also arguable because, of all the things he's done, yeah. he had what like forty something, fifty. He, like, and he knew things. him, so you know, a good lawyer should be. It can try to argue premeditated because he already knew George before all this happened. So yeah. you know, what was his mindset when he did it? Second degree yeah. is like, okay, he may not have be- planned it. He may not have been lying in wait and med- premeditated it, but it's still his fault that he's dead. Yeah. So and third degree is like, okay, we can't prove that he planned it. We can't prove that what he did is the direct reason why he passed away. Then what else can we find? So, but third
1: degree is like what? Drunk driving is that the right example for that? Which is like third degree is like you can't argue that somebody was killed. Now you just got to prove motive. Oh, you can't argue that they're even dead. I mean, no, you can. You can't argue against
2: it. Clearly,
1: somebody was was a
2: victim of a homicide. Meaning, yeah, just get killed. Now the murder is what we got to prove, and third degree is the least they can go down to because they're trying to prove that everything that uh, the the killer did is the reason why George is dead, you know? But
1: I mean, everybody knows, like, you know how you're not supposed to leave like grocery bags on the ground because your kids could like suffocate themselves? Like, everybody knows how cutting off your air supply is how you die. Like, there's no, like, you're an adult human. You're actually supposed to be a person of service. You're supposed to be a person that serves and protects and you weren't serving and protecting. So it's like, to me, there's literally no evidence that doesn't point to you knew what you were doing. And his record,
2: so well, I know. They in New York, also tried to pull in that George had pre pre existing conditions that made. They're they're pulling matter they're pulling all out of the asshole because they don't want George Floyd not George Floyd the asshole the killer to go away for purposely killing another person.
3: Right.
1: If I have heart palpitations right. and I leave the house now, is it my fault that I died of COVID? Like it's just this whole idea of pre existing conditions as a validity of it's just. It was racism
0: that it's trying to prove
2: that he wasn't a human being worthy of not being killed or that he was a sickly human being, which is not relevant at all. But they can pull all that stuff out of the ass into a courtroom.
0: They can try. You know what's so great is to see Jackie, who I forget, has worked in the legal profession, just call, just call me a lawyer, Marina. <laughs> I know, I I know, but I was like, oh, that's right. I've been wanting to bring this out of you uh, for a long time, and when Liz Liz just brought it out, and I was so happy <laughs> to see you break it I down. I was like, oh, that. I was oh yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, here she goes.
2: Here now, Jackie, I, are, are you a
1: recovering lawyer? Recovering?
2: <laughs> yes, I, I'm not licensed to practice, but I can practice. You know, it depends on what the situation is. How long? Okay. How long
1: were you a lawyer? Lo- what kind
2: of lawyer? Oh, I, not that I, I, I went to school for everything, but I didn't. I, when I graduated, I didn't take the bar. I just did. I did contract law, corporate law for a while, but I did immigration law for a while. That's why then I, I know that I can I can rep you federally. Like if you're going to get deported, I can help you without having a license to practice. But having a degree means I am the having a degree makes you a lawyer, which means I can use this education somewhere.
0: Can you help me with my mediation? Ah, uh, you don't need a lawyer
2: for mediation. It helps us protect you to have a mediation, a lawyer. Well, I mean, I
0: i mean, just to help me with the, what I need to break down at the mediation. Yeah. Mediation is
2: just what happened. And I can help you guys be open to hearing each other's sides. But, you know,
0: <laughs> I mean, I have I have, you know, I've been dealing with that bar downstairs behind my building. Right? Yeah. So I went to the board meeting. Uh-huh. So we're now we're going to have mediation. But I want to make sure I come. With the right, what 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 do they
2: do to you? What damages did you suffer?
0: Um, this is noise violations, and there's there's a new listen, Jackie. (laughs) Don't you dare
2: laugh at my pain. You know when noise ordinances were violated? Are you just? No, I do.
0: I actually, I'm very unhappy. (laughs) So what's happening is yeah. they have, the sound is so extreme that people have actually started to move. Okay, The girl down the hall is moving. Um, It's like, we can hear like the way the courtyard is. Yeah. It's a perfect ecosystem to create that. Whatever they're talking, it's like they're in my apartment.
2: You have to prove that they are causing you to lose uh, a way of earning a living.
0: I did. They or, They cut my, okay. my cable wire by accident. Um and actually I'm not able to sleep and since this is a p- d- p- pand listen to me I'm so excited <laughs> and since this is a, this is a pandemic yeah. right I am working from home so my home is my business okay. so I am not able to conduct my business because I am continually disrupted by noise I can't sleep stress you oh no I already went to the that's why the mediation is oh, happening because okay. I went to the community board because there was several people in the building who were also having issues with it. And they also have a generator back there. That is probably the reason why I have this cough. Okay, So they have a thing idling in the back. Yeah, You got to prove all that. Well, no, I, I mean, the thing is, is like at the mediation, this is a new thing that, this is the only reason why I'm actually kind of starting to like De Blasio now is yeah. he's created a thing called mediation between, because of all these uh, in New York city, all of these restaurants, have totally disregarded the people who live above them in order to survive. Yeah, yeah. So the individuals living in these buildings we are lo- we're going crazy. Like I'm lo- I am losing sleep. I cannot live here much longer. I've already decided. It's not possible. I can't they talk louder than my TV. Like if I turn my Huh? Yeah, yeah oh yeah, okay. it's really bad. So um and then this thing that's idling in the back I'm not sure what type of toxins are coming into my apartment and the girl down the hall is sick and has to leave. So the mediation that de Blasio has created is to cover this so that you don't have to go to the police officers. You don't have to you don't have to like make the restaurant lose their business. You can actually work together on resolving the matter. And once you get a contract with each other, you just abide by it. Yeah, if if they're willing to be
2: like, oh, we're sorry, we'll we'll give you, we'll do this during these hours. So yeah, you, you probably will get them to at least acknowledge that guy. God- and I have audio.
0: I have audio proof.
2: Okay, yeah, they got a business has to acknowledge that we're doing everything in our power to stay open, regardless of what is doing to society around us.
0: I'm so excited that you're a lawyer.
2: <laughs> I'll let you know when you need. I'll let you know when you ain't got no case and you need to tell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I, you, you know you know we gonna have more of a conversation on this
2: okay right just so you know you have to prove the hardship you can't just be like guys you're giving me headaches and my podcast i can't do it the way you gotta prove that they're fucking up. okay okay well i've
0: had i've been sick since january with this cough so you got a
2: doc- you got doc- doctor's now proving that you're that they're the reason you got that cough
0: I don't know. I have. Three, I, call, th- I call. I call. I three one one. So the community board mem- member, um, uh, community board thing that I went to, which by the way, Yamanika was there, was hilarious. Um, I love how you all are so civically engaged. This is great. Oh yeah, because I figured what they told me was with mediation and this specific thing that De Blasio's created is this is the best and smartest solution you can come by to deal with the restaurant owners without like making them suffer you know like it's it's actually a a positive spin on things and, and i mean the i do hate them but and i do want their lives to be over but that's not
2: yeah, reopening 33 as of april 2nd or as of
1: yeah, yeah but also um what was it in um uh the summer de blasio said that you know how like the sidewalks have been taken over and stuff like that that that's uh, indefinite So the positivity is that if people were buying heaters and whatever else they had to do to still be outside during the winter, it it was an actual investment and they didn't have, it wasn't just for like six months or whatever. But what what I think is going on with you, Marina, is that, yeah, it might be open, but they, it's more business. That's more revenue if they continue to be outside. So that might keep, continue to go on, even with things opening up.
0: And so they had like, there are people who are being attacked, you know, uh, the the mediation woman that I spoke to was hilarious. When I told her there was a bar underneath my window, she's like, "Oh, hell no!" <laughs> I was like, "I don't think you're supposed to take my side that quickly." <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, that might never close down the outside part because they're. they're oh no, they're not going like, to close it, it down. Close it's, it's hot now. We're going to do it inside. Oh no, no, part. it's a full it's, on. It's more seats.
0: Yeah, it's a plan. They have planned on this before the pandemic, so it's a bar underneath. My window. So like, that's fine. You just create um, a sound barrier or whatever. Oh, okay, Christina. I see you. Oh, before Christina goes, and I do want to say this. Great apes receive vaccine. I got to, Christina, you got to hear this story. So in February, four orangutans and five bonobos. I think that's how you, at the San Diego San Diego Zoo received two doses each for an experimental COVID-19 vaccine for animals developed by a veterinary pharmaceutical company, and the milestone had been triggered by another. In January, a troop of eight gorillas at San Diego Zoo Safari Park became the first great apes in the world to test positive for the novel novel coronavirus. Globally, infections have also been confirmed in tigers, lions, mink, snow leopards, cougars, a ferret, dogs, and Liz. Domestic cats. But the fact that great apes are susceptible to the SARS CoV 2 virus has scientists especially concerned. Fewer than 5,000 gorillas remain in the wild. And because they live in close family groups, researchers worry that if one caught the virus, the infection might spread quickly and imperil already precarious populations. Plus, this is about also jumping from them back to the human species. So I just thought you guys should know that they got vaccinated know that they were eligible for the fucking vaccine (laughs) how old are these gorillas
1: how dare they
0: they have 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 a different type they have a different you can't get the same vaccine they get
1: this might be a, l- a low blow joke, but did you see that the first ever gorilla was named Karen in that <laughs> yes, article? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was the first thing I saw. And I was like, of course. And she was like the first gorilla to get h- open heart surgery or some shit like that. And I was like, of course, her name is Karen. I don't, yeah,
3: I name don't know is Karen.
2: any resources should be going towards anything towards uh, gorillas right
0: now. I don't care if it's not the same vaccine. Why is any energy- It's so important because what? it's all- it's all connecting back to the human species. It always yeah. does.
1: So I, so you brought up cats and dogs. They, they, we can't get it from cats and dogs. It's a different COVID. My mom was even telling me that that COVID's been around forever. And what's sad is about that specific COVID. If a cat gets it, they're they're dead. Like it is. Like it's very uh, terminal in in cats. I don't know. I don't know enough to know if the gorilla one and and ferret and all those other ones are the same. But um, because I think our DNA is so similar to gorillas. I do think, and this jumped from who knows what, but they do know, I don't know if it's bats, but they do know that this is from another species that jumped to humans. I think the same way that we should be vaccinating everyone in the world, and it shouldn't matter, you know, economic levels, everybody, everybody, everywhere should get, if we really care about ourselves, little, alone you should care about others. But on top of it, that is one of these things that people aren't thinking of. Animals sh- need this as well like the if we eliminate it completely then we don't then we're safe like everyone's safe i know that's a big undertaking and i know the eradication there's only been like one virus that's been eradicated everything else is just i don't know what the right word is i'm not scientifically smart enough but i I, it sounds silly jackie but it actually is weirdly uh, like important and like Kind of and cool. Like I, I read that and I got really dorky excited. If, if oh, I'm so I was so, so excited. dogs
2: in the mouth. We probably should get <laughs> <20. laughs> I also
1: should probably a let. Point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I should probably let Christina go so she can. um Did you want to say something about the gorillas, though? Or I mean, we just have to stay vigilant on all fronts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's the it. Gorilla's so, matters like, too, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I
3: mean, like this the virus, you know, might want to take a new mutating form. So like let's just all anything stay with busy. a heartbeat, just go on ahead and get the shot. Even cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Cockroaches, scraps? <laughs> <Well, laughs> you, you remember my Lawrence my Lawrence fishbowl fish didn't last very long when we just went on lockdown. My mom was like, Did it get COVID? I'm like, no mom. It was a <laughs> anything
0: I'll with like, a heartbeat needs to get the shot.
3: Right. Well, Christina, uh,
0: before you go, I wanna thank you for being here. I, I love
3: seeing you all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look out, out for a Maine
0: coon for you. Someone left early. Oh, thank you, Liz. Yeah, I'll I find you, it. I'll find you on the gram. Once, Once Jackie the bath sees bath. the picture of it,
3: she's gonna be like, what is no, wrong with I just,
2: I <laughs> here's the thing, I know what it is. It's like a, a a main coon is also could double as a bath mat.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Like
0: grown yeah. wolf. Yeah. It's like a wolf Yeah. Plant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're gonna um, continue with you guys. You guys stay here. Christina's gotta go. Christina, <laughs> tell us where our listeners can find you. You and can find me. Like us. Um, well, friends like us,
3: listeners. I have two podcasts. The first is called FAQ NYC. Uh, that's where we talk about all things New York City, New York State. So if you're interested in knowing what's going on with Governor Cuomo, we just did an amazing interview with Charlie Rangel, who's ninety years old. Oh my old. god! He's so to him back in the day, he's alive. Uh, I love him <laughs> so much. And that voice is like hot gravel with honey. I know. Uh, he's amazing. So he was spilling all the tea about Shirley Chilton's husband. I mean, it was it was a lot going on. Um, So that's one podcast. And then I have another podcast called What's In It For Us. It's through the com, And that's like all things Black people. We talk politics and sort of current events. And um, I have like a rotating cast of guest hosts. So Marina, hopefully you'll come and visit oh, me on What's to. In It For Us. Um, So those are the two things. And then I'm finishing up this book uh, on Barbara Jordan, Fannie Lou Hamer, and Stacey Abrams about Black women in the U.S. South as candidates and voters. Nice. So that's what I'm working on. With friends like us, I can enjoy this pandemic and know that we're going to emerge on the other side even
0: better. Nice. Thank you.
1: Thank you, ladies. Have a wonderful week.
0: Bye, Christina. Hi, Christina. Nice to meet you. It's Good to see you. So, all right. So I do want to just say this real quick about Hollywood loses $10 billion a year due to Black representation. I didn't know that. That fast. When I saw that headline, it made sense because of all of the shunning of
2: our work, for women overall too, that they're missing a lot of, and you see what happens when we're allowed to create shit and they get to watch it. Like, I remember when Bridesmaids came out, I'm like, this is every Porky's, uh, any movie I watched back in the day that was raunchy for them, for, you know. And I'm like, and we've never, and we do Bridesmaids, all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, women can be silly and do potty shitty humor, like literal shitty humor too. So yes, whenever they they they, they don't give us a chance, that's money that they're missing out on.
1: And I, I just don't understand. So my my little sister, my younger sister is like, just like a bigger girl. And I I remember sending her an article like five years ago that the amount of money that like fashion industry was losing out by not um, making clothes for like like real options for plus size women. Like, you know, not this, like you go to forever 21 and it's like two t-shirts kind of bullshit. Or, or like the fact that my sister shops at what Torrid I think is like a big uh, plus size stores, but like, you know, she has limited options. Half the time it has to be online. And, or the other thing, like my sister would try to give away her clothes to secondhand and they wouldn't take it because she was like, like plus size people don't want to buy secondhand clothes. Like, are you fucking kidding me? But I remember sending this article, same kind of thing. The amount of money they're losing out by just ignoring uh, women that aren't aren't, you know, a size six or smaller, just like garbage shit. And they start, it's starting, it's like slower. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's all starting to move a little bit more to where the section isn't just two t-shirts or, you know, the fact that there's plus size models or like my sister's always trying to find good workout gear. And now you go to Nike and front page it's, it's women in, you know, workout sports bras with women that have boobs and not just, you know, I know. So, <laughs> so, so it's the same kind of thing where I don't understand in capitalism how you ignore a group of people when there's so much money and there's so much need. And the same thing would be said when you put black people in movies, when you put women in movies, when you put any person of color, just look at, um, what was the, the, it won Academy Awards. Uh, it was all, was it Korean? Uh, parent? Oh, no, parasite. Parasite, parasite. Parasite. Thank yeah. you. I knew it was a P, but like that movie was incredible. But also you see that, uh, all these different Asian communities are like, Yeah, we can be leading men and women. We should be in movies. Our stories have value. Like, just let us let us make stuff. And And then there's also
0: Bollywood. Bollywood said, "Fuck y'all, we
1: do our own shit." Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I personally think black people just give away so much and depend on white Hollywood to help them out. We need to just move along and get our own shit. And just, uh, you know, we've been talking about this on the podcast for quite some time that you know sometimes we are contributors to white supremacy. Black individuals are contributing to white supremacy by allowing the shit to happen. I mean, you can see sometimes when there's a war show and they're not nominating us or we're not members, but we still show, we still attend. Did you
2: hear here's the, maybe you haven't heard yet because you, we're all busy, but I turned on my phone today and the world opened up. Viola Davis got no- nominated for an Oscar. She's the most nominated uh, black, Actress ever now with this next with nomination she just got. Uh Beyonce is now the, the has won more Grammys than any female artist in history. Uh, as of last night's oh, yes, 28 award. Right? Yeah. Tiffany Haddish won Best Comedy Album Grammy, first time since Whoopi Goldberg in 1986. Wow. Nas just won his first Grammy ever.
0: So you see what happens? Like when you like let us participate, <laughs> we clearly do a good job. I, I yeah but I still say the awards aren't no, this is the work done. No. But it, you know, I I mean cuz the awards and and I think that's an incredible representation and it's good for young girls of color to see. I still feel there's a lack of of reality in the the people behind the scenes, the people writing, the cameras, all that stuff still needs to be done. The people who are on these voting boards, mm-hmm. we just saw, you know, it it's it, it's 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 the awards like a band aid. It's not the solution. No, it doesn't really Owners- solve Ownership it.
2: Ownership and part of, you know, Tiffany was one of the producers, if not the EP of her special. Like you got to We got to be in charge of what goes out. We can't just be like, hey, guys. Well,
0: Tiffany does a lot of, you know, you know, the fact that she did they ready, which is giving showing the trend of lifting other people up while you're up doing well. And then having those people lift other people Mm -hmm. up is such an um, admirable thing. It's such an amazing thing to do. Uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I love her for that. I think that's an amazing thing that she's doing. It's just, there's so much work that still needs to be done. Like I still find there are times when I'll talk to someone about an idea and I'll mention it, and it's the most obvious thing, and they'll just look at me like they don't see how it's gonna work. Oh yeah, that's my whole career. Yeah. And, and then 10 years later, guess what? It's a show called Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's why. And it, it, uh, 10 but, years later. But don't you get so frustrated because I feel like this happens all the time. You cultivate a fan base, you, we polish our jokes. You know what I mean? We do the focus group for years for decades and then somebody goes oh it seems like you're doing great things and people enjoy it and then you pitch this idea and like you said they'll be like i don't see how that works or i don't see how there's a market for it you're like i i created that market i it's, it's not that the ideas aren't good and that there isn't a market. It's that they are the middleman between connecting it and they've decided they don't want to put the resource to it because it's a risk because they don't understand it. Well, then bring somebody in that fucking understands it. I'm one person. You're somebody. Like We all know a crew of people that are on the same wavelength and we've been creating it. You've just stepped in the way of tv or streaming networks or whatever not allowing us like that's why i think you know live performance is so important because you don't have to wait around for these middlemen if you have the fan base you have the talent it'll come to you but as you start to get higher you have the same old fucking people saying the same shit that works and you're like yeah it's the only thing that works because it's the only thing you let get through mm-hmm.
0: this pandemic revealed so much didn't it oh yeah i mean about <laughs> about how much we can do on our own yes that, you know like that we don't need them and I've got it. I'm I'm gonna be honest here. I'm not looking forward to the opening as much because I'm like, there's some things that happened this past year that I'm like I need to still continue to do. Like I'm not so sure
1: I want to let go of the virtual shows. Don't you don't gotta let them go because it's it happen and you so? depending on when you do it. So I do a new material, um, like a new material workshop show. It's like a behind the scenes kind of thing. And I do it once a month on a Sunday at four o'clock. I kind of changed it later when Europe started to open up because I have like a pretty decent European fan base, but now it's back to four so I can get Europe. I can get clearly East coast and then in the afternoon for, for West coast. And it's, I think I might continue to do it as long as people still come to it because how, first of all, who the fuck knows when we're going to be able to go out of the country. But I I think to be able to connect with people that, you know, think about the people that always couldn't come to comedy shows, whether, you know what I mean? Whether they didn't have the resources, like making something affordable and accessible to all people, I think is going to help you in other ways as well. Like, I think there's something about this is this talk that talks more about accessibility. We also,
2: yeah, we we got the public kind of spoiled too, because I did post a real flyer for a a real show in person and people the fans are like oh is this going to be streaming no (laughs) you gotta gotta get dressed come back
1: outside (laughs) for me i'm worth a shower (laughs) exactly i'm
2: gonna be the one that's gonna risk their life you just come out here because you know
0: i thought but i bet you the clubs are kind of worried about that the fact that comedians have the ability to kind of do on their own no
2: audiences are coming back out every show that's
0: I know they're coming back out, yeah. but if it's in the same week
1: no, that you do use. a virtual show, they like they like been, those contracts. Sorry.
0: Yes, if there's like a contract that says you cannot do any virtual shows in the same week that you're doing a live, I haven't seen. I haven't gotten that yet. I but, bet it's
1: coming, girl. Can you fight yeah, them have soon. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting perspective. I like when you know, do like that's possible. You know how like you do Philly, and they're like you can't do anything within 45 miles within yeah. two weeks of that. That's and You know what's been funny? That I have noticed that if I book uh,
2: more than one virtual show, the bookers of those shows, they will, they're will they all watching us, and they'll DM you, and they're like, hey, you're not promoting. My, I'm like, I have a show before. You can't really, because then they're like, well, how are we going to get traffic? If I'm like, well, I can't help it if I need to eat, you know, and I'm going to do every yeah. virtual show offered to me, but I get it. You know, I can't do them all because they all can't get promoted on the same level.
1: Also, I'm not headline, like, I'm not really headlining any virtual stuff. Like most of the virtual yeah, stuff I'm yeah. doing is between seven and 15 minutes. I, I'm not the same version of myself. Like, there's a part of me that's like, you're never gonna replace live performance. No, it's oh, no. the how it makes us feel how it makes them feel the the excitement of it all. I mean, hopefully, like, I don't think I'm going to be doing much meet and greets until things are better. But even that ability to to be a little bit more accessible. So it's like it, it definitely has shown us that we have a a more connection with our fan base and um, more like autonomy with how we make money and how we produce our own things. But at the same time it's, we know what's enjoyable. We know why we got into this craft. We know the connect that, that connection you have with uh, the same way that you've talked, like uh, you've talked to people that have really blown up. Like I I would love to ask Kevin Hart, is it enjoyable to do these like 30,000 arenas? Like it feels like it, just doesn't feel like it would be the same. Like, I get money is money and, you know, do what you got to do. Like, I guess money takes over for the feeling. But you know how it is. Like, you're in the cellar and it's small oh, and here. it hits you in the face. I'm moist the whole time. <laughs> 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 I, to put this I am aroused until I go home. There's, there's like a little drip bucket below you. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. What, uh, what live shows do you have coming up? Atlanta?
2: Yeah, And I can't remember because there's so few, I can't remember where they are, but Atlanta I'm and I think Florida and Philly
1: and the New York clubs are open. Where do you live? So I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, but I, am I've been in Florida for a month um, with a friend. I actually leave on Wednesday. Okay.
2: Cause New York clubs are opening back up April 2nd. On April.
1: Yeah. There- so I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, so I. I kept, I got, had like something in Portland, Oregon last April and I moved it to this April Mm -hmm. and I was like about to like cancel it a couple months ago and they go, Hey, we moved it to an outdoor thing. Would you do it? And I was like, "Yeah, anything outdoor Mm -hmm. I feel good about. So I kept it. And then my agent started to be like, cause I told him I didn't want to do anything that wasn't outdoor until May. And I wanted to start slow. And then of course I got something in Philly at the end of April and things started to look better. Mm -hmm. And then this is, this is where it's like sad logic. They were like, do you want to do, um, Minneapolis the weekend after, and I didn't, or we can push it later. And I wanted to say later, but also I'll clearly have memor rememorized my hour for Philly. You know, <laughs> Portland and Philly, and I don't want to wait until like what if I don't get this thing until June, and then I have to rememorize my like I'm almost scheduling things like normal again because i hate studying my hour i just want to know it and feel <laughs> confident about it and after i do six shows in philly i'm going to know my hour again i was just saying how like i'm almost going back to back to back booking because once i rememorize, oh, I oh yeah once i re my hour i don't want to memorize it again that's homework i'm tired of doing homework every time i have a show i you know what's funny the last
2: time i had to perform for 30 minutes i i didn't I didn't do my homework. I didn't plan. I didn't study. I just went like, you know what? We'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Were and you stressed was, the whole time? I hate that now stress. Here's the thing. When I walked on
2: stage and said hello, my voice was three octaves higher and I was so excited that I'm like, I had to tell myself, Jackie, calm down. And then as I did my, I have, yeah, I probably have a, a new half hour of corona material. But I'm yeah. like, but after that, you need to relax. You know, it took me a while to get my breath, my breathing down, <laughs> to be like, okay, now that you've done all the material that you've made up during the quarantine, do you have any
0: professional jokes you want to share? <laughs> 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 but
2: I'm, like, I'm like, nah, nah.
0: Well, I will say this: I've learned something about myself that I didn't know about my- during this time. Is that I definitely, I don't need anybody in my life. Like, I <laughs> really. And I guess I'm a bit of a um, introvert. I mean, I, I really enjoyed being alone. I mean, I am not kidding. I told my cousin this, I said, I don't know. I don't need gatherings. I don't, I don't (laughs) need, I, 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 I like the remote. I like talking to you guys like this, actually, you know, like, you know, Beth Stelling used to see me in social gatherings, like escape. She used to see me try to walk away. And she was like, Marina, where are you going? I was like, I just, I'm done. I'm the same way. I'm done. I love arriving because,
2: right. you know, you get all the nice, hey, Jackie's yeah. here. And then I like to disappear. I like, and I like I to disappear. come, hang out, get all the accolades, and then hang out by the snacks. And next thing you know, where's Jackie? And then I get a text, did you leave? I was like, yeah. No, I I, oh, I, I yeah. come, I take the love, and then I disappear.
0: Oh. Oh, I leave like
2: that too. I it's love so leaving. Leaving is so hot.
0: Now, we do have to get out. This is a perfect place to get to a close, but I I do want to say this about this article I think you all should read. We didn't get into it, but it's a great article that my young assistant intern put in, Lucy, thank you. Black photographers speak from behind the black shutter. It's such a positive story about... This newly launched Black Shutter podcast is already gaining attention in the creative community for its focus on people historically left out of the picture. Black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and other like-minded creatives. The term Black Shutter is how Black photographers see the world, says co-creator Idris Taleb Solomon. So any Black person with a camera has a Black Shutter because you dominate... Document the world the way that you see it based on your lived experiences. The show, which started in March 2020, has put out more than two dozen conversations with Black photographers doing photojournalism, portraits, fashion, documentaries, and other visual work. So I think it's great because he says we want to be able to do it as big as the majors and employ young Black people. We just want to see our faces. And with that, we come to a close. Um, I will say uh, I want to thank you for being here. Liz, where can our listeners find you? And give us a friends like us the way Christina Greer did.
1: Yeah. um, So everything is at Liz Mealy, uh, M-I-E-L-E. And um, my cat book, Why Cats Are Assholes, comes out March 30th. And if you like podcasts, I have a podcast with Maria Shahada called Two Non-Doctors. Um, where we just talk about medical stuff with little to no accuracy. Um, just, you know, two girls that don't know anything. And uh, with friends like us, um, I feel like you always you always learn something you weren't gonna learn uh, otherwise, and you get, uh, like, even in the Black Shutter article, uh, different perspectives that help you grow and uh, become a better person. Thank you, I love it, Jackie. Thank you, Liz. I have you back. I'll bring my curls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: go to JackieFabulous.com so you can find me on the socials. Uh podcast relatable with jackie fabulous uh 25 episodes or more on my ig uh tv and or my youtube and you can subscribe wherever you can find podcasts all over the you know the spotify's and blah 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 with friends like us i will constantly be reminded by my fellow comics that this is a journey that can have a shitty path but a wonderful reward
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Marina Franklin here. Go to my site marinafranklin.com. Maybe I will be doing continue doing virtual shows. Thank you, Liz Mealy, for that. Yeah, with friends like us, you will feel seen. At least heard. Check, Check us out. out.
1: You want to do it again, Liz?
0: Liz was like, I'm what? On
1: time. I really am <laughs> like a stereotype. <laughs> You guys clapped, and I was like... (laughs) (laughs) You missed your own hand. I'm like, truly, I'm like, really just setting setting my people back. (laughs) No, you were great. You were great.